at the lie that God just wants me to be happy, and we found that the truth is that we should not pursue happiness but joy, real joy that is built on the real person of Jesus Christ. And um, this week, we are moving on to the next lie in our series. We're going to be looking at a lie that I think a lot of us have heard before, a lot of us have probably said before, and maybe even said to ourselves before. Um, and it's one that doesn't, at, on the surface, seem that bad. And the lie we're going to look at today is believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. That sounds like a good thing. But at its heart, and, and what the Bible says, we're going to see that it is a lie. But before we dive into unpacking that lie, um, we were talking about it up at the table, up in the office. And Tommy and I were talking, and he reminded me of a, of a pretty great Actually, and we're going to really test this because I don't know if this is dating um, ourselves or not. But has it, do you guys know who Key and Peele are? So the older kids know a little bit? All right, sick. Well, back in the olden times of 2012, there was this thing called cable television. It's crazy. You couldn't stream it. It just came on. It was bonkers. And uh, there was a channel. Yeah, there was channels. You had to flip up and down to channels. And there was a channel that had a show called Key and Peele, and they did a lot of sketch comedy. And so this one really kind of lines up with this idea of believe in yourself. Roll it, John. Hey, that's not it. That's a... Uh... Oh, I see. We had to do that. ...winning the game in literally the last second. Uh, unbelievable, truly spectacular. Charlie Sanders, how does it feel? Hey, y'all want to say something to everybody watching? Yo, you can do anything. Anything's possible. The world is yours. Charlie, did you think that that game was going to end that way tonight? Yo, there are no limits, all right? You can swim across the Atlantic. You can jump real high and touch the moon. Fantastic. Charlie Sanders, fresh <laughs> off of his uh, victory, uh, just feel like he's ready to touch the moon. I can fly. <laughs> Anybody can fly. If you believe in yourself the way I believe in myself tonight, you will fly. And what's next for Charlie Sanders and the Orange Kids, Ra you can actually fly. No, no, not, well, not literally. Yes. Literally, kids, young kids, I want you to go up on your roofs right now. Wait, what? Fly into the night sky. Okay. People will see you flying, and you can do anything. You can do anything. Okay, well, we, 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 uh, we just want to remind the kids that, of course, you cannot actually fly, kids. Come on, yo, screw that negativity, man. Hey, boys and girls, ages 8 through 12, yo, don't let nobody ever tell you what you can and cannot do. All the preteen children out there, listen to my voice. You are immortal! Okay, well, obviously we understand that Charlie is super excited right now and that no one is actually immortal. No Kids, you can turn yourself into a car and have a friend drive you onto the freeway. Okay, no, well, that's just a metaphor, kids. It's not. Just you a metaphor. still have the power of childish innocence. Get a friend on your back and make a beeline for the next ramp to the freeway, y'all. Okay, don't do to it. To the he's, freeway. He's speaking figuratively, no, folks. Once you get just... there, ain't nothing figurative about this. You will turn into a robot. First and foremost, I just want to say to the 12 families who lost children, I'm sorry. My statements were irresponsible. I've subsequently looked up the terms literally and metaphorically and found that whereas I was not incorrect, they did not mean what I thought they had meant. Man, that really, that, that cracks me up. 
kids, you can fly. I remember when that came out. Um, and I think, obviously, that's over-dramatized to make a point. But the idea in our culture that we can do anything we put our mind to, that you, if you believe in yourself, that you can do anything, even turn into a robot. Right, Hudson? Heck yeah. See, he is not even listening. That was the lie we're talking about. But in, he did, in our, in our society, it is commonly accepted for the, for the last 25 years or so, it's been a common, commonly accepted fact that low self-esteem is the root of many social and personal problems. So it, low self-esteem is what is blamed as the cause of high school dropout rates, teen pregnancies, drug use, crime rates, and suicides. And so logic, 25, 30 years ago, was it would say that if you flip that self-esteem around, then you solve all of those problems for which it's being blamed for. So this, these, these mantras of believe in yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, believe. If you believe it, you can achieve it, are all things pervasive in American society, in, especially recently in an attempt to boost everyone's self-esteem. You can do it. You can do anything. You can fly. And yet, over the last 25, 30 years, all of those statistics have only risen. It hasn't done anything. Uh, these problems all still exist today. And this is the type, this type of advice that if, you, that if you believe in yourself, you can do anything. It resonates with us. It resonates with our human nature because we love to take matters into our own hands. We'd rather trust in ourselves because it makes us feel like we have some control in our lives. But deep down we know that it is not true. And uh, Pastor Travis, um, when I was in high school, I, we did this thing called the mentorship. When I was in college, I, did, I was an intern. I've been here for a long time. And he used to always say, uh, when he was talking to mentees or interns, he said, hear me now, and you'll, but you'll believe me later. Hear me now, believe me later. And I think that this idea that even if what I'm saying right now, you're like, believe in yourself, like that's nuts. I need to be doing that. That's good for me. Like, that's fine. Hear me now, but you'll believe me later. No one has misled you more than you've misled yourself. No one has lied to you more than you have lied to yourself. No one has hurt, distracted, or hindered you more than you've done to yourself. The more that you believe and rely only on yourself, the deeper and deeper into a pit that you'll feel like you're falling into. And as good as it sounds, believe in yourself, it is just simply a lie. And so we're not going to believe in ourselves. What do we need to do then? We need to believe in something bigger and better than yourself. Knowing that that same someone will give you the power that causes you to live differently. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus said to his disciples just before he ascended into heaven, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive this power when my spirit descends on you. The, Bi the Bible tells us this truth all over scriptures and it also provides us with warnings, with warnings that have happened throughout uh, the, his, the history of mankind of people who relied on themselves only, who believed in themselves so much 
that they turned away from God. And there's basically, you can open the Bible to any spot and you'd find an example of this warning. But I, I just kind of picked three. One from the beginning, one from the middle, one from the end. as kind of like a, a good sampling of these warnings that the Bible has for us. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these three warnings that believing in self uh, that the Bible gives. And the first one is right at the beginning in Genesis. And it's that believing in yourself caused the fall of the human race. In Genesis 3, uh, well, I guess verses 4 and 5, not 5 and 6 there. But it says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So this is the serpent talking to Eve in the garden, refuting her claim that God, that she said that God told us that we will surely die. And the serpent says, no, you will not surely die for God knows that you will eat this. Uh, when you eat this, uh, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And it is with that temptation, the same temptation that, um, that, uh, that, the, that Satan himself had and the reason he was booted from heaven, telling, him, telling Eve in essence that you can and will be like God, that there's no reason to trust God if you eat of the fruit of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you can be like him. But it's so much more than just taking a bite of fruit is representative of, of, of all of us, of mankind, of humankind, wanting to be God, listening to that serpent over the creator and believing in themselves more than trusting in God's direction. That's three chapters into the Bible and already all they had to do was not eat from this one tree of the many trees in the garden. And yet the temptation to take control of, the, of themselves, to believe in themselves, to turn away from God was so much that ultimately it doomed us all. That's the first warning right there in the beginning. The second warning is believing in self caused constant problems for Israel. So get into a, the later half of Genesis and then keep going all the way through the Old Testament and you will see that the people of Israel constantly are having problems with believing in themselves and turning away from God. And in Judges 17, we see this phrase. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And I think this really just sums up this cycle that we see the people of Israel in throughout the entire Old Testament. This cycle of rebelling, turning away from God, getting to a place where they realize that they need to repent. They need God. They, they look back to him and then ultimately God restores his relationship with them. And the warning that you see painted throughout the entire Old Testament is this, is to not wait until believing in yourself puts you at a point so low that you have to turn to God because there's no other recourse, it's to see that we should be doing that from the jump, not believing in ourselves until we get to that point where we have no other choice but knowing that there's a choice right now, right in front of us that we can make. The third warning is believing in self is the opposite of what Jesus taught. Jesus didn't teach to believe in ourselves. He taught to deny ourselves Matthew 16, 24 says, in those days there was no, oh, that was a copy and paste problem. Right there is what that was. 16, 24, thanks. What if it said that? That'd be nuts. Uh, 16, 24 says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. The denial of self is more than letting go of some desire that we have. It is a call to deny our whole self, all our motives and impulses that are in conflict with Jesus. We are told to take up our crosses. The cross, what do we know that happened with the cross? Jesus died. Cross, Jesus says, take up your cross, this instrument of death, and not only deny yourself, but die unto yourself for him. It's not believe in yourself, but die for Jesus. Jesus taught not in just a different way than the world teaches, but in the opposite way, something called the paradoxical gospel. The upside down kingdom, you may have heard it said. You can go to the next one. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul writes, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To those who are perishing, the word of the cross is folly. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And there's tons of examples. I just pulled a few of the paradoxical nature of the gospel. To be exalted, you must be humbled in James 4. To be strong, you must be weak. More, it is more blessed to give than receive. To gain, you must lose. To live, you must die. He must increase and I must decrease. Tons of examples throughout the Gospels of this paradoxical nature of the gospel. But ultimately what it comes down to is that we will fail in life. We will fail, but he never does. We will make mistakes, but he never will. We will make a mess of things, but he is perfect. We try to be like God, but he is God. Time and time again, he has proven himself but to believe in him means to let it go. Whatever that it is for you, whatever you're holding on to in your life, whatever that little thing that you do, that you believe in yourself so much that you'll never give up that control that you feel, that you, you gotta give that up. You have to let that go to God for when we do, faith steps in the moment we actually can release that. And uh, uh the first that kind of full-time lead pastor at the chapel, his name was Dick Woodward. Um, he said a lot of smart things. Um, and one of the things that he said, uh, he, kind of, he wrote like a little book pamphlet on it. Um, and they actually just put it up on the wall down by, if you look, next time you go to the drink machine, look at the drink machine all the way to the left. You'll see this up on the wall. It's something called the four spiritual secrets. And I think that this is just such a good uh, constant reminder, such a small, simple thing of this idea of not believing in yourself but, but denying ourselves, but, but looking to Jesus first. And the four spiritual secrets are real simple. It's I'm not, but he is. And I am in him and he is in me. I can't, but he can. And I am in him and he is in me. I don't want to, but he wants me to. And I am in him and he is in me. I didn't, but he did. Because I was in him and he was in me. Don't believe in yourself Trust and believe in the God who has been, is now, and always will be in control. Because every time we try to take control of our own lives, we always, always fail. And that's what I want to talk about tonight in small groups, this next lie that we always seem to believe, that always seems to come up in our lives. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we can break and head to small group.
Lord Jesus, the good news is that you came to this world to liberate us not with a, with a, a huge army. You didn't come as a conquering hero, but you came as, as a humble man. You came as God, yet fully man. And you came to die for us, to die so that we wouldn't have to, to die so that we might be reconciled with you. God, we know that in our lives there are so many things, so many lies out there, so many temptations put in front of us. But we ask that you be with each and every one of us as we're here tonight continuing to discuss this and as we go back out away from the church but into the schools, into our sports teams, into our homes, into our neighborhoods. And that you let it, make it be clear, give us the eyes to see and ears to hear you at work that we may detect this lie of believing in ourselves and that we might rely solely on belief in you because you are perfect and we are not, because we need you and we cannot do it on our own. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. And all God's people said, amen.